If you're new to the church, and maybe specifically were not here last week, I'd encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12. It was a passage I, I shared from and talked about how we can be empowered today uh, to be used for the building up of his body. And one of those is uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, the tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so that's what we saw here this morning. Again, it's in that seat back in a booklet called Naturally Supernatural. So uh, if you're new here and have questions about that, I'm happy to answer questions about that. I do find it fascinating that our world today seems very interested and caught up in the supernatural, but they oftentimes don't seek it in the church from the God of the supernatural. Um, so I just encourage you, look at the Bible, the whole Bible, the entire New Testament. It applies to your life today, and we want to be a New Testament church. We want to be a, a great commission church, a great commandment church, and we know if we do that, then we can fulfill Scripture. What I, I do, we are in a series that's called The Resistance, The Church, and Its Mission, because our desire is to go back to Jesus, the cornerstone Jesus, so that we can go forward and on with God. And so the way that we're doing that is we're looking at scriptures where Jesus talks about the church. So we've been traveling through modern-day Turkey to discover the qualities Jesus expects of his church. On Patmos, where we started, we found that the church is called to the wilderness. And then for Matthew 18, we paused from our churches in Turkey and we talked about how the church is called to community. And then we traveled to Ephesus and saw the church is called to love. In Smyrna, the church was called to suffer. In Pergamum, the church was called to truth. And from Thyatira, the church was called to holiness. And last week, we visited Sardis and discovered the church is called to authenticity. So we only have three weeks left in this series. Only two churches left in Turkey. And then we're going to jump back to Northern Israel, Caesarea Philippi for the last week. And so uh, we're going to turn our attention now to the letter to the church in Philadelphia this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I do invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 3 this morning. And I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We're going to pick up from where we left off last week. We've been reading from Revelation chapter 3. We started in Revelation 1, have been working through, and now we're in Revelation 3, looking at verses 7 through 13. The message given to the church in Philadelphia is important. It's vital for our church today. So Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. And the angel said of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one who opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word, and, not, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews, and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patience, endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that you one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And my new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
Amen. These are the very words of God. Be seated this morning. So 25 miles southeast of Sardis, where we were at last week, along the Hermes River Valley sits the high plateau city of Philadelphia. Pergamenian king Attalus II, who the Romans tried to turn against his brother, Eumenes II, established the city. Attalus remained loyal and gained the nickname Philadelphus because of a deep-seated love for his brother. Philadelphia rested along the great travel routes of the world, the highway leading from Europe to the east. Strategically located on the trade routes to Mysia, Lydia, and Pergia, the city earned the title Gateway to the East, the entryway from one continent to another. Philadelphia disseminated Greek culture and language into far distant regions. The letter to Philadelphia does not contain disapproval or reproach, but addressed a church keeping the faith. You know, so many of these letters, Jesus says positive things, but then he says, but this is what you need to work on. But the church in Philadelphia was one of those churches that Jesus said, well done, keep going. Churches can have a strong testimony and a vibrant witness. Not every church experiences trouble. May that be true of our church, amen? Amen. Jesus writes Revelation. He says, I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Followers of Jesus must be obedient in action and fearless in witness. Long after the surrounding country of Turkey succumbed to Muslim control, Philadelphia was a Christian community until 1392. So think about it. That letter went to the church in the first century. 1,300 years later, that church had still as a faithful witness. Isn't that a longstanding church? Visiting the ruins for the church in Philadelphia... Uh, for our family we visited a couple of years ago. It was a somber experience. It was the smallest of the ruins in the sites that we visited. The only thing remaining were these huge pillar columns from the Church of St. John. You can see me standing next to one of those in the lower left-hand side. So when we visited this site, it was interesting to look at that almost as a memorial of a church that had done well in the sight of Jesus. The letters to the church's revelation were arranged according to a mail delivery route. I've mentioned that. A circular roadway going north past Ephesus through Smyrna to Pergamum, turned east and southward toward Thyatira and Sardis, and then east to Philadelphia before heading south to Laodicea, the city we're headed to next. And although the letters followed a postal route, I do think the order also portrays what it means to follow Jesus and have the ability to engage in mission. Think about it. To be involved with mission, a person needs to love well the church in Ephesus. That person needs to embrace suffering, to walk in truth and holiness, to maintain an authentic faith. How a person embraces these qualities determines their effectiveness and mission. Does that make sense? So for us to engage in mission, we've got to be able to do all of the qualities, all of the things that Jesus mentions to all the other churches. Because the church was made for mission. A couple of weeks ago, we visited the church in Thyatira, the church called the Holiness. But here's what's important. We as the church do not define success based on what we don't do. As in we don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't steal. Okay, we know these things. We need to be defining ourselves instead by what we do. Otherwise, we simply become known for what we abstain from. We don't just live our lives to avoid things. We live holy lives in order to give ourselves completely in service to God. Exclusive service to his mission. To successfully walk through the open door of mission, a person must be ready. The church in Philadelphia had, had an open door, 
They had the geographical ability to widely spread the message of Jesus everywhere. When addressing mission, Paul mentioned open doors on a couple of occasions. He wrote and, and mentioned to the Corinthian church of his plans to stay in Ephesus. Here's what he wrote. He said, there is a wide open door for a great work here. So now I ask, why do you think we have all these doors on this stage? What do you think? Oh, now it's all making sense. This is not for Monsters, Inc. It's because we as a church have a wide open door for a great work. You need to understand that. God has uniquely and strategically placed the church on the corner of 231 and Cumberland Avenue. Okay, how many think the state moved the church? You could argue that. How many think God moved the church? He did. God knows what he's doing here. He has sovereign control. This church sits in a city where a major university resides. We know we've got well over 10,000 internationals in our community. I've got a family next to me from Bulgaria on the other side of me from Greece. We live in an international community representing 130 different countries. Isn't that amazing? 130. There is a wide open door for a great work here. Back in January, I shared, as Shelly and I were preparing to come here, we were voted in the first weekend in November. We had about two months of transition time as Pastor Ted and Sue were finishing up their ministry here. And so we arrived in December. So it allowed me lots of time as I continued to travel and speak in churches across the U.S. to just pray and ask God, what is it that you're speaking to this church? What do you want of this church? And he gave me two scriptural promises. The first relates to this scripture, it relates to this church. That there is a wide open door for great work here. That Jesus has set before connection point an open door which no one can shut. The second scripture comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul writes, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Isn't it amazing that the God of creation, he chooses us? He chooses his churches. He chooses them to be a light to the nations. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So here's the point. These two scriptures tied together. Jesus has created a wide open door for a great work here for Connection Point to serve as an example for believers throughout our nation of what the church is meant to be with your faith going forth everywhere to the world. Can we read that together? It's on the screen behind me, right? It is. These guys are good in the back. Read it together with me. Jesus has created a wide open door for a great work here for Connection Point to serve as an example for believers throughout our nation of what the church is meant to be with our faith going forth throughout the world. Do you believe that this morning? It's absolutely possible. It's what Jesus desires of our church. But we do have a part to play in its fulfillment. The American church is in urgent need of believers willing to count all things as loss for God's glory. Willing to hazard life, comfort, career, and reputation for him. We aren't the only church who's been given an open door by Jesus. Open doors are many, but here's what I know. Few are walking through them. You see, Jesus puts before us the open doors of relationship with him and an abundant life of service, a life of mission for him. He invites us to walk through the first door by following him, moving through it to a place of serving others. 
serving the world, living on mission for him. So I want to even pause here in our service, and I want to ask, I never want to leave this place without opportunity for people who have not made a decision to follow Christ to do so. So could I pause here for a moment? Could I ask you to bow your heads with me for a minute? If you're here today, Jesus has given you an open door of opportunity for a relationship with him, to be reconnected with your creator. But you have to walk through that door first before you can find the abundant life that he promises. So if you're here today and you'd like to walk through that open door, that door of fellowship with Jesus to be reconnected with your creator, would you simply raise your hand? I want to pray with you, and at the end of the service, I'll ask for you to come down and, and visit with one of our, our prayer team members so they can give you a Bible and information on how to follow him. If you're here today and want to follow Jesus and say yes to him, could you raise your hand? I have one in the middle here. Yes. Any others? Yes, thank you for this hand here in the back. Wonderful. Anybody else? I have one in the back here on the left. Anybody else here today? You saw wonderful testimonies of lives that have been changed by Jesus that you could be set free in his name. I don't want you to miss your chance today. Don't leave from this place without having walked through that first door of fellowship with him. So we have a couple here today. Let me just pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray for these that raise their hand that have said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm going to give my life to you. I want you to set me free from a life of, of bondage that I may have been living in. Set me free from fear if that has been part of what's been controlling my life. And God, I pray that they would commit themselves to you. I pray that as we close the service today, that they'd be willing to come forward to talk with, with Pastor Jennifer to get a, a Bible and information on what it means to follow Jesus for a lifetime. For we want to encourage them in their faith, not to set them off on their own, but to walk alongside them as they journey with you. Jesus, I pray that they commit themselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just pause and say thank you, Jesus, for lives today that want to dedicate themselves to you. I just, I encourage you, if you raise your hand, and there was a couple of you here in the room, Pastor Jennifer, would you mind to stand for a minute? At the end of the service, we're going to send people out onto Main Street, but I encourage you, would you please be willing to come forward, and Pastor Jennifer will get you a Bible and information on what it means to follow Jesus. Just like Teresa had made that decision a couple of months ago, and Gina is now walking alongside her, uh, we really believe that discipleship is best done together. And so we simply want to match you up with somebody that can say, you know what, I want to answer your questions and help you journey with Jesus. So don't miss that chance today. But now there is a, a second part to that doorway. You walk into that doorway of fellowship with Jesus, you say yes to him, but then you go back outside that door on mission for him. So the question is, have you entered into that first door, but maybe you've not kept walking through out the backside on mission for him? So I'd like to share a video to make you think about where you're at on mission for Jesus, if we could share that video.
God is sending his church to the world. My job is to lead people, if you're wondering, to, to lead them from a place of being good cultural Christians to being missional New Testament disciple makers. That's really where I need to pull people to and understand that in doing so, that's where you find the life that God meant for you. You see, the call of Jesus is twofold. The first is come and see, taste and see that God is good. And once you've made that decision to devote your life to Jesus, the second part is go and die. Now, if you're here this morning, maybe you've just made a decision to follow Jesus and you're wondering, that sounds like a bit crazy to me. Uh, In fact, you may have followed Jesus for a long time and still think that sounds crazy. But here's what I know. Unless you count everything else as loss, you can't find the surpassing greatness of knowing and following Jesus. Jesus shares, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the angels. The reason there's a nail mark on the symbol we use to highlight our core values as a church is because of the understanding we are all called to live a crucified life. Jesus said it. Jesus beckons us, come and see the pearl of great price this hidden treasure, now go and give everything that you have for it. Live a crucified life. Jesus is truly worth it. To live a crucified life, you must fully surrender your life to King Jesus. And not until you live in this way will you find the rich and satisfying life that Jesus promises. I'm convinced of it. It's not to say you won't face hardship. You still have to embrace suffering. We talked about that in the series as part of God's glorious plan, but you will then lead a purposeful and significant life. You know, the reason that God has taken Shelly and I to places around the world, to Sudan, to Jerusalem, and now here to West Lafayette is because we firmly believe God knows best. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it and follow after him in that. Do you understand the difference? You can't say that I believe it, and then you don't live that out. If you believe that God has your best interests in mind, you will follow him to wherever he may lead. We're fully convinced his plan is the best plan for our lives, and although following his plan by living a crucified life has at times been difficult, it has always been rewarding, and Jesus has always been worth it. I was talking with Shelley about a month ago, and it dawned on me, that we've never really communicated our intent to be here for a very long time, so long as Jesus doesn't return, of which I'll say, Jesus, come, <laughs> come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. Um, I'd totally be okay with that. But should Jesus wait, we plan on being here for as long as he would allow. I have an Indiana driver's license in my pocket. We have Indiana plates on our cars. I still need to get Indiana phone numbers. I still have a Springfield, Missouri phone number. I'll admit, there are some people here that have uh, minister's credentials with the Assemblies of God, which is headquarters in Springfield. So I've used that 417 area code to mess with them. I've called and said, this is headquarters. Wanted to let you know your credentials are being revoked. Um, They haven't appreciated those phone calls. And they did seem to save that number after the fact, so I couldn't mess with them again. But in case you've been wondering, our family's here. Shelly and I aren't going anywhere. Uh, Our family is dedicated to seeing God do everything that he wants to do through this community of faith. 
Uh, and we can't wait to see it. We know that God has some great plans in place, and we are excited that we get to be a part of turning the world upside down with you. Um, can we do that together? Yeah. Traveling and speaking in churches all over the U.S., it, it gave us some insight into common trends that we would find. And one of those trends was for churches to work hard to attract people, but oftentimes they fell short of going on mission to reach them. But the church must do both. We have that example in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Israel was meant to be located in the land in between, the Levant, the crossroads of the ancient world. If you think about geography, the land where Israel was sitting was the land that joins Africa, Europe, and Asia. You know it sits right in between those three. And so God wanted them to be there as a light to the nations. God wanted to bless the nation of Israel to attract the nations of the world. That traders were meant to pass through the nation of Israel and route to Europe to Asia, to Africa, and bring the news back to their countries of a nation blessed because they served Yahweh. We find this happened during the reign of Solomon at the height of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Reading from 1 Kings 10, here's what it says. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land. Blessed be the Lord your God who was delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king. So the fame of Israel was meant to encourage the world to follow God. This was the mission of attracting people. But then in the New Testament, we have a model of going out. The Acts 1-8 call to be empowered to share the story of Jesus from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what our vision video in April was all about. Igniting passion for Jesus in our church, with our near neighbors, and going out into our global villages. Mission refers to all God is doing and all he calls the church to do in cooperation with him. Here's what mission involves. Mission involves sending God's son, and now it involves God sending his church. We saw that in the video. The church is more than an organization providing spiritual merchandise and attractive programs. The church is missional. God's people are assigned to the world of who God is. Jesus embodies the mission. The Holy Spirit empowers the mission. The church is the instrument of mission, and our culture is the context of mission. For our church to be missional, we must be intentional and deliberate about reaching others. And we still have room for growth in this area. A church in maintenance mode has about three guests for every 100 people. That means for our church, we're considered to be in maintenance mode if we host 12 to 15 guests a week, which is our current average. So this is an indicator for me that we are not yet, as a church, living missionally. That's why I said we have room for growth in this area. If we were living on mission, we'd see about 20 or 30 guests a week, people that you're inviting to be a part of the family of God. And I know some people can be bothered when you talk about numbers, and I completely understand that. In fact, when I first arrived, I let our bookkeeper know I really don't care about numbers. I only want to make sure we've got enough seats for people as they come in. But here's the thing. When you look at hard data, because I do, it helps me to know, it gives us clues in where we're lacking in discipleship. This is where tracking how many guests we have every week matters. Because if we didn't look at the numbers, we could pat ourselves on the back and just tell ourselves, well, we're doing great, we have guests coming every week. But then when you look at the real numbers and compare those with missional churches, you begin to say, well, we do have visitors, but it seems we still have room for growth in this area, that we still need to be living on mission for him. And it's an important difference. It changes the way I communicate and how I want to compel you to mission in this community. Whether connection point is 50 people, 
500 or 5,000, it really makes no difference. All Jesus needed, hear me on this, was a few who would think as he did, love as he did, and serve as he did. All he needed was to revolutionize the hearts of a few, and they absolutely changed the world. Numbers don't matter. Jesus will take what you've got, and he will propel you unto the world. Jesus will build his church. I'm absolutely convinced of that. But I have a part to play, and you have a part to play in his mission to reach the lost. We have a lot of near neighbors without a relationship with God, and God desires for none to perish. That's why we must stay busy on mission for him. And living on mission is not about redoing programs, but about rediscovering the mission of inviting people to a new way of life. This is what we celebrated this morning in water baptism, people raised to newness of life. Wasn't that wonderful today? Mission is not an action or program, but the essence of purpose that must pervade our whole church. We are missional as we remain faithful to the message of Jesus, while working to contextualize his story so that his message engages our near neighbors and transforms their worldview. The mission of God is global. We know this. As we reach our near neighbors, we must never forget those who have little or no access to the message of Jesus. This is why we regularly host missionary guests, cross-cultural workers from Jerusalem, Oman, the Dominican Republic, India, Madagascar, and next week we'll host a guest from Morocco. We engage in mission in the greater Lafayette area while at the same time sending others around the world with prayer and finances. And I firmly believe we will be sending people out from here to the far corners of the world. I know that we can be that church. And here's what's incredible. Mission calls you to a journey much bigger than yourself. It provides a radically different view of the world. Your life is truly found by losing it. Jesus said it, and it's true. Come and see, and go and die. Now what Jesus is saying is, come and see, and really go and serve. So I say go and die because I know you're going to remember that. If I said go and serve, you can kind of pass that off, right? Go and die, you're like, ooh, I don't know. But that's really what Jesus is asking. Come and see, go and die. But for your sake, I'll say go and serve. That's fine. I could do that. So here's the first thing that I'd ask. Jesus invites us to go and serve by identifying us with his mission. Reading from John 17, 18. Here's what Jesus says. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane to God the Father. And he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Think about this for a moment. That really makes John 3.16 something of great significance. Because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. So could it be that God so loved the world that he now sends you and me? What a mission we have. We're identified with the very mission of Christ. We have identical purpose as him. This is a much greater purpose than living for the next dollar or living for a bigger house, or a better car. This is a much greater purpose. This is the mission that Jesus gave himself to, and we are identified with. But not only does he identify us with his mission, he, he gets it even better for us. He says this, Jesus invites us to go and serve by empowering us for his mission. We see this in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus grants us power for a purpose. We see this in Luke 9 when Jesus sends his disciples out. He says, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. 
Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus gave the disciples a glimpse of what life would be like after he ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit empowers them for service. Not only did Jesus model for them how to do his mission, but he empowered them to do it. And Jesus invites us to go and to serve by uniting us in his mission. So Jesus identifies us with his mission in John 17, 18. And then a couple of verses later, here's what Jesus prays. May they be one as we are one. Jesus is not praying for some contrived, manufactured unity that we can create. What he is saying is, is when people give themselves to the mission I've identified with them, then they will be unified. We worked through a series earlier this year on life together because God's plan for the church is community. The very word for church in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, refers to a community of people called out for purpose. But here's the deal. We can't manufacture unity. Here's what I know. When we as a faith family surrender our lives to the mission of Jesus, we won't have time to fight with each other because we will be fighting for the needs of a lost and dying world who needs to know Jesus. Unity in the church is compromised when the mission of the church is compromised. If we give ourselves to mission, the byproduct is unity. Jesus unites us in his mission. So Jesus invites us to go and to serve by identifying with us, with his mission, by empowering us with his mission, and by uniting us in his mission. There is a reason why people in the church are not living on mission for Jesus. There's a reason why some of you may not be living on mission for him. Sometimes it comes down to your view of the church. Some view the church as a cruise ship, when in reality, it's an aircraft carrier. Let me explain the difference. On a cruise ship, passengers come seeking entertainment, comfort, and relaxation. They rate their experience and expect to be waited on. Churches in this category are focused on the needs of the regular attenders. Attendees expect luxuries for the whole family, sports, entertainment, child care services, and business networking. They show up at church asking, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Does it have good family ministry facilities? Does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages that meet my felt needs? Do I like the music? Okay, now let's look at the church as an aircraft carrier. The crew on an aircraft carrier, they're all about launching military planes and equipping them to carry out successful missions. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere because the battle isn't in here. As we saw in the video, it's going on outside of these walls. Churches in this category empower all members to find their God-given purpose in life, to equip them, and to send them on mission into the world to reach and serve those who don't know Jesus. The crew of an aircraft carrier, they can launch a plane every 25 seconds. That's amazing. The mission pervades every aspect of the ship, from the ship's pilot to the person who restocks the ship's vending machines. Everyone on a carrier knows his or her particular role and how it supports the mission, to equip prepare, launch, and receive aircraft back from their crucial assignments. It's it's an ongoing cycle. The whole crew dedicated to sending planes out, to receiving them back in, to refuel, restock, and send them back out on mission. That's what an aircraft carrier does. An aircraft carrier church has a clear mission, mission that stems from the great commandment and the great commission, loving God, loving people, and going to them with his story. Everyone in the church knows why their church exists, and they know they can play an important role in the mission. The annual budget, the weekly messages, the monthly calendar, communications, and predominant conversation are all consistent with the stated mission of the church. 
But somewhere along the way, we've picked up the idea that the purpose of the church is simply to help us grow in Christ. That's really not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to equip church members to help others grow in Christ. That's why we do multiply discipleship. Gina is pouring into the life of Teresa and helping to equip her to be of someone of service for the kingdom of God. Because if the purpose of the church is to help simply us grow in Christ, then what we do in here is for the sake of only those in this room. But we're not living for ourselves. We are living for the sake of a lost and dying world outside these walls. We live for them. We must get a hold of the fact that following Jesus is not simply about you and me. Is it about us? Yes, but it's about us through us sharing that story. It's about people whose lives are at stake for eternity based on what we do with the message of Jesus that has been entrusted to us. We've been entrusted with this treasure. May we share it liberally. We dedicate ourselves to mission, to making disciples, so others' lives might be transformed. Over the course of the last seven months, I've been working with our church leadership to define our, define our vision, mission, and core values. Why does this church exist? Our vision video is all about our vision of igniting passion for Jesus. And our mission is the process we employ as a church to ignite passion for Jesus. The culture we're trying to create to empower people to become world changers. So this is what we've landed on. We know we want people to believe in Jesus. It starts there. And, but we don't want them to stop there because we know we've got to grow in Christ together. So they need to belong to the body of Christ. And as we belong to the body of Christ, we're going to become more like Jesus, become world changers. But we don't stop there. So many churches, what I've seen is that's where they end. They say, okay, now we've arrived and that's it. But we've got to be going back out into the world, bringing Jesus with us and bringing people to a place of believing. So that cycle never stops. That's what we're working toward. We want something very simple and very clear so that people can examine themselves and see where they're at in the process of igniting passion for Jesus, of fulfilling a great commission vision. Uh, Shelly and I, just so you'll know what's coming down the pike, we want opportunity to dialogue with you about this, so we'll have some pizza dinners, pizza with Pastor Zach and Shelly in late August and early September, because we want to answer questions about this. We want to see where you're at and where is God leading you in this process, in this mission of the church. So I'd ask, have you made a decision to follow Jesus? Are you a believer in him? It starts there. Have you found a place of belonging by joining a connect group? Are you on the road to becoming a world changer? Do you abide daily, spend time in his presence? Do you live the word by loving God and loving others? Do you share the story of Jesus with others? Do you give generously? Do you serve others? Lastly, are you bringing Jesus to the world? Are you bringing people to Connection Point to be a part of our faith family so that they too can ignite passion for Jesus? To ignite passion for Jesus, to be on mission for him, this is what is required. For our church to be an aircraft carrier and not a cruise ship, we must raise up an army of world changers ready to go and serve. We can absolutely transform West Lafayette by committing ourselves to his mission. I'm convinced of it. A mission he identifies with us, empowers us for, and unites us in. Jesus has created a wide open door for a great work here. For Connection Point to serve as an example for believers throughout our nation of what the church is meant to be, and for your faith to go out unto the world. Husbands and wives, better equipped to love one another. United in the mission they're fulfilling together in Jesus. Parents more focused on parenting well to raise up world changers in their home. Near neighbors who have opportunity to hear the story of Jesus from people empowered to love others well. The goal is bringing Jesus to our near neighbors and bringing our near neighbors to a place of believing in Jesus. Belonging to his family, becoming more like him, 
so they in turn can bring Jesus to their neighbor as well. So the very practical way I'm going to close here in a minute, invite the music team to come. The way that you can engage in his mission, it's very simple. When you came in this morning, you saw a large wall out on Main Street. And what we did is try to provide the simplest way possible for you to engage in his mission in that first category of our worship gathering of leading people to a place of believing in him. We have a saying with our volunteers, our servant leaders, that the altar call starts in the parking lot. As soon as people pull onto this property, we know that they're being exposed to who Jesus is simply by interacting with you. And so we're going to invite you to be a part of that, be a part of six core areas. If I can invite uh, my department leaders to come forward, what they're going to do is they're going to stand out on the main street this morning as you exit from here and just provide you an opportunity to ask questions of what it means to maybe serve in guest services, what it would be to be a part of the production team, to be a part of the music team. So I'm going to help them or ask them to come up here so I can point out who they are so as you see them, then you know who you're asking questions of. Um, Can we welcome them this morning? So each one of these people represents uh, ways that you could be a part of what God is doing on a Sunday morning in our kids' areas, in our music area, production, and in guest services. So on the end, we have Robin. And if you don't know, that's Pastor Jim's wife, because we've got lots of new people. It took me forever to figure out who was connected to who within this church, so I'm going to help you out this morning. So Robin helps us in Kids Cove in our preschool area. And then we have Stephanie Farmer, who helps us in our big backyard, our infant area, And Andrew is in our production area, so he helps us with everything production. Shelly, who is my wife, if you didn't know that, so this is who I'm connected to. Um, So she helps with the early morning. When volunteers come, they come at 9 a.m., so from 9 to 10, there's an opportunity for you just to bless our volunteer kids and work in that area, so Shelly heads that up. Phil helps us with guest services. (laughs) They've got all the welcome shirts on. And we have Ginger, who helps us in our elementary area. And Pastor Jim helps us with music. So just so you know who you can look for and ask questions of, they have job descriptions. And what we have out there is index cards. Ginger already has them in hand. She's ready to pass them out down the aisle as she leaves from here. Um, But index cards for you to say, hey, you know what? I'd love to help with elementary kids. I'd love to greet people at the door. I'd love to bless our servant leaders by watching their kids for an hour before service starts. Easy ways for you to engage in mission simply by being a part of what's happening here on a Sunday morning. And I just encourage you to be a part. I'm going to dismiss these guys so they can beat you out the doors because our music team is going to play. And we're simply going to dismiss as they begin to play and go out in song. It seems like Shelly, maybe wants to, do you want to share something? Okay. Share a microphone. So I just encourage you as Shelly comes to share, be a contributor, not simply a consumer. Be somebody who's committed to making a difference in the West Lafayette community as people come into this place and experience who Jesus is. So earlier we had a message and it was about fear and I feel, I feel like that's so appropriate today because, you know, Zach is up here and he's super excited and he's telling you that God has this open door. And because Zach and I have walked through several open doors, I feel like we're on the other side saying, come on, you can do it. Just walk, take that step of faith. You can do it. Run, don't even tiptoe. Just jump through these open doors because we know God is just waiting on the other side and he just really wants to launch you personally into being a world changer but i get it it's we can be fearful and we can be timid and we can feel like but lord i don't have that gifting or i don't really know about that or i don't really want to do that or maybe now's not the time i'm busy or i'm i'm caught up in different things and so we heard that you know we we don't need to be fearful 
And so just in the service, I was given another word, and I'm just going to read that to you. If it applies to your life, if you feel like you're struggling this morning, you're not as enthusiastic as Zach is, we want to get you to that place where you are just excited to follow Jesus and to be the world changer he wants you to be. So this is what it says. Our brokenness is made great through him. Our testimonies can be born from fear and darkness, but God takes them and makes them new and great and living and powerful. Our pain becomes nothing and he becomes everything. Our testimonies become evidence of his honor. Be witnesses to what you've seen today. May we live without fear and live truly in faith. So I'm just going to invite you to stand because we're going to dismiss here this morning. And as I dismiss you, Pastor Jennifer, if you don't mind to come forward, if you made a decision to follow Christ this morning, please come up and meet with Pastor Jennifer. She'll simply give you a Bible and information on next steps in your faith journey of what it means to follow Jesus for a lifetime. I don't want you to miss that opportunity. Don't, don't try to journey with Jesus on your own. We've got people that would love to long, walk alongside you in that decision to follow him. Uh, so as you go from this place, I just encourage you, dialogue with our department leaders, find ways that you can serve and be a part of what God is doing through this church and will continue to do through this church, especially as we head into the fall. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he fill you with his mercy and show you his peace. May you go with God this morning as our music team plays. Feel free to go.